Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price.
latter years of high school and into college while I was home for a few years before I moved to Tulsa. And so your life is always preparing you for where you're going, and you don't even know that you are in the pathway of prophecy, the path of prophecy fulfillment. And that could be an article. That could be something or other. In that path, God was preparing me for the life that I have now. I didn't know it. My mom didn't know it. We, we were just doing what seemed to come naturally, my life. And, and so people would, the, when I got older, especially when I was about to leave Pennsylvania, even though I didn't know I was leaving and not coming back, but when I would sit there, I, I never saw my future there. I always thought I would live somewhere else. I, I always, now, you couldn't have told me Oklahoma. In fact, Oklahoma was on the table the first time. I was like, no. No, Oklahoma. What? Timothy McVeigh had recently, the bomb went off in Oklahoma City. I was like, isn't that, isn't Oklahoma City and Tulsa next door to each other? No, I know that's not God. Shut it down and did not come. This is how we know the dangers of not believing prophecy, not respecting the vessels that it comes from, thinking it's just a suggestion or their preference. And in fact, the people who told me that I should come to ORU, I poo-pooed the idea because I was like, but you're in love with ORU. I mean, I don't think that God would send me to Oklahoma. You know, you're East Coast, you're real snob. West Coast, real snob about the Midwest. So you're like, what? Oklahoma, isn't that a step backwards? People would ask, I mean, are there paved roads in Oklahoma? Watch out for the KKK. I mean, the, this is what I heard 22 years ago in Pennsylvania about moving to a place like Oklahoma, a backwards place like Oklahoma. Sight unseen, never been out there, you know. And but it was the word of the Lord nonetheless. And so I didn't do it. And I had some unpleasant experiences in my consequence of disobedience. We'll just say it like that. The consequences of disobedience. And so uh, I ended up out here. And the pathway to prophecy fulfillment is not what you always think. So in my mind I had an image. People were starting to tell me from home. You know, you're going to be big one day. You're going to be on the stage one day. You're going to preach. Now, people telling me that I'm going to preach in a denomination where women didn't preach, I shouldn't, well, I didn't know prophecy. I didn't know enough to know what that, how significant that actually was. And it wasn't just you're going to be some appendage to some man, and that's how you're going to get your validation. But it was like, you, God is going to use you. So in my mind, I had some ideas about what that was. And then I came out here. I surrendered all, and I moved to Oklahoma. And first year at ORU, I was in shock. Never lived that far from home, and I thought, this campus is really big because when you grow up in one place, now I've traveled. I traveled in high school, traveled with my family. I'd already been overseas, so my, my world was not that small. But I had not moved away from home. I would go visit my dad sometimes because my parents were divorced, but by and large, Visits was on the East Coast. It was band trips, class trips, trips to Italy, yeah. uh, Florida, you know, uh, the East Coast, the beaches and everything else. Thank you. But not like this, moving and uprooting and relocating by myself. No family out here, no friends out here. And I had people, my godparents, I call them my godparents, that uh, drove me out here to Tulsa connected me with their friends, who at the time I didn't know was actually very significant connections in town, and thus began this new life. Prophecy fulfillment, very uncomfortable. Prophecy fulfillment is often very uncomfortable, 
as it is being fulfilled, especially as you are coming into that fulfillment, as it's being birthed in you or through you, it is uncomfortable, it can be painful, it can be humiliating, and don't come to a place like here where you just have to feel like you get saved all over again. I was raised up in what I would call a good church, and I would sit in church every week with God Christ. Now, why did I know this? Now, I have this highlighted in my Bible, underlined, two, three colors. I know this is here because I read it, had no idea this is what it said. <laughs> Many people flunk out of destiny fulfillment at the point of being humble. Many people flunk out. That's the point where they say, I'm out. I am not going to uh, be humble. And, and we've taught this here, that humble and humiliation are kissing cousins. Education can be a very humiliating process because at every step of the way, you're realizing how much you don't know. And don't be somebody who's been doing something for years, and then you find out you don't know what you're doing. Now, it explains why you have minimal success, which then again is also another humiliating moment. <laughs> right?
realize that you were never institutionally measured. You were affirmed by people who love you. You were affirmed by those who know you. People who thought you really did less. But you were never institutionally challenged, tested, or trained. And those are two different standards altogether. We know it. The self-taught from the educated. I'm self-taught in a lot of things, but I'm educated in a lot of things too. Even some of the things that I taught myself, I have an educational foundation that I have built upon. Media. Trust me, those, those four years at ORU, media training and development. Now, the tech and all these other things, I've taught myself a lot over the years as technology has evolved. But I have four years of education that I'm standing on. Leadership. I grew up being groomed for it, but was not trained for it until I went to Everlasting Life Bible and Prophet Institute, <laughs> Dr. Paula Price. And she was my teacher in my classroom. Not a guest speaker. Do you know what it is to have this woman be your teacher every week? Every week you decide if you want to be the best. <laughs> not impressed. She's not impressed. I don't care. She, she comes in. Prophecy, the prophetic class. Door to the prophetic one. Class number one. Door to the prophetic one. Class one. I don't want to hear anybody's prophecy in my class. I'm thinking, I don't have anything to say anyway. So let's pressure off of us today. Praise the Lord. Because I don't know what to say. She said, I don't need a prophecy. I wrote a prophecy dictionary. That's when you know you are in the best class. People, when I went to ORU, I had the chairman of the department as one of my professors. The hardest class to pass was his class. And I was like a sophomore, crying. Every, almost every day. <laughs> Lord, everybody's praying that they can break through. Everybody's praying that they make it through his class. If you want to be the best, you have to be trained by the best, not affirmed by the best, trained by the best. See, we want affirmation from the people at the top. We want an endorsement from the big name, from whatever. But it's those who are trained by the best that are the best, especially those who go through the two-year, four-year, ten-year training program, whatever it is, and come out and people say, ooh, People will say to us about Dr. Price. Oh, Dr. Price, raise you up. You survived, Dr. Price. <laughs> and, you know, I always say she survived us because we were a bunch of hot-headed, loud-mouthed young people, and we ganged up on her all the time. But it felt like a boulder fell on us when we did. <laughs> Y'all not running my ministry. I am. Oh, you're not doing this your way. You're doing it the way God gave me to do it. One of the, the, the hallmark statements that she always has said and continues to say is, you are not changing the way God gave it to me to do. Not, this is my dream. This is my hope. This Now, where's the biblical precedent for that? Because everybody wants to accuse you of having an ego trip. Joshua and Moses. Do everything. What did the Lord tell Joshua? Do everything the way I gave it to Moses to do, the way I showed him on the mountain. He did it that way, and when he didn't, well, we see how far his journey went and where it ended. And he had to let the next generation take it all the way in. And then Joshua's job was to do it that way. That's the precedent. It isn't to get an 
there and incorporate your own creative ideas and, and to, to do that. You know, I mean, I just have visions, I just have dreams. And I'll tell you what, when you are a number one or a number two to a Moses, you have to know the difference between when, let's say, technology or systems are enhancing and opening up a way to execute the vision and when they're actually changing the vision. That right there is a tricky thing, which is why when you're under a leader who says, no, we're not doing something a certain way, or yes, we are, if you're in my position, you need to ask why on both ways. Why is that? Not to challenge, but to get the understanding, because if we are to be the successors, and if the job is to, like Joshua, keep it moving the way God gave it, then it's your business to get in the mind of the person God gave it to and not just the execution. Or else, when they're not around, they don't, they don't even have to be, you know, they can still be alive. Thank you. They'll be alive, okay? And <laughs> still with us. But you can have a whole other idea while you're still with them of how you think the vision should go. You have to know what's their vision and what's your vision. And if you are, the more in love you are with your vision, the more you will prophesy to yourself that it's there. It's there too. Because, hey, I agree with what you're doing. So we're going to do things the same. No, you can be in agreement with somebody and totally be separate. We see it all the time. All the time. So today's broadcast is going to be juicy. We have, of course, Dr. Paul Bryce. We have Apostle Stephen Holt Sr. will be joining us online. He's not in Tulsa. But he will be joining us online. He's making his rounds this week. He was in the Prophet Circle <laughs> on Tuesday. And he is on the Jesus and Paula show. He'll be in later on today online. So you'll be able to see him both on Facebook and YouTube. We're going to dial in. We had to work out this new text today, but we did it. We will not be. We will not be defeated. By any two prophets in the house, apostles in the house, prayer in the house, Holy Ghost in the house. We start pulling on this. Where's that garment? Where's the hymn? Where's the hymn? I need the hymn, Jesus. Walk off the Hallelujah. We got done. Look, everybody, thinking. That's how we roll in today. Then I tell you what, we're going to make it happen because we are a stronghold. Not just a household. A house is in a stronghold, somewhere, on in the street, within a dress. But without this stronghold, and I tell you what, I'm fired up. This is a fired up week. I was lit up Wednesday, day and night, lit up today to roll in this revelation and to uh, to understand that it's not up to us to determine. So going back to our opening thoughts about how we think that revelation uh, and prophecy fulfillment, excuse me, happens a certain way in your mind until it begins to hit your life. Once the manifestation of prophecy begins to hit your flesh, that's when you find out what you really thought about the Word of God concerning you. Because while it's up here, we're usually in agreement. God says, I'm going to be wealthy. Yes, Lord, amen. Hallelujah. I'm blessed of the Lord, highly favored. I'm walking in His riches. I'm walking in His blessings. I'm walking in His health. I'm walking in His wealth. And then He says, I want you to go to school for four years for business. Oh, but I have a lot standing on the Word. He said, I need you to stand on a degree. (laughs) (laughs) Huh? A degree? But I got this. You have nothing but an idea. No connections, 
Man, the connections I made at school that I am still standing on right now, people that I can call, those friends I have, people. And what's interesting about something like when you go to a, a university or a college, even years later, you're, you're now you've never talked to this person on campus. But because you're alumni now, your friends, all of this, I recognize you from where you don't. I'm sure. That's right. Because you were there, well, let me see, I graduated in 2003. I graduated in 2008. Yeah, I just, oh, okay, okay, I thought it was yeah, well, let's talk, yeah, let's come on. All of a sudden, people who you maybe passed now or you, most colleges, by the time you're done, you know a lot of people unless you are in one of the huge, huge schools because your paths keep crossing. Dorms, cafeteria, or your chapel, whatever. After three or four years, there are familiar faces. You're like, oh, yeah, because you're dating so-and-so. I see you're still married. And now Facebook is wonderful because you can really know somebody. How are your kids? I saw your little pigs have little piglets on your farm. And I have friends who have pigs. They raise pigs. They still the thing. And I watched little piglets being born. I'm like, wow, okay. And now we have something else in common. I watched your farm animals being born. And that somehow is an open door to a cup of coffee, which is an open door to a conversation, which is an open door to a business deal from going to school. And so while we want to stand on a word, he wants us to stand on something a little more substantial, the manifestation of that word in the now. So you're coming in that season. Ooh, and people start prophesying. The word of the Lord is coming to pass. The word of the Lord is coming to pass. Yes. And now here comes the test to see if you pass the test. So the word of the Lord can't come to pass. Or is it going to pass you by? For another season, for another year, or unfortunately sometimes for another generation. Because when you let a word of the Lord fly by your grip, sometimes it's a one-and-done deal in a generation. And it has to wait for the next one to come up in your family and fall on them. When they get the opportunity, maybe they'll do it. We walk around talking about brokenness and families and all kinds of things and the spirit of poverty and, and what goes on down family lines. But at each, oper- at, at each generation, each person has that opportunity to break beyond the opposition, to break beyond the resistance, or to succumb to it. How many people do we know were the first ones to graduate college? The first one to get a corporate American job. The first one to live in a nice neighborhood. Those things were not easy. And everybody had it. When Prophet Samira, she hosted the Prophet Circle when she was going through school, her uh, through um, styling school for hair and cosmetology. Thank you. I'm like, what is the name? Cosmetology. And she was one of the first African Americans in, uh, well, to get through the program in the salon in which she ultimately worked for many years. And Dr. Price had to coach her through every experience. She said, first of all, the reason we're not in places we want to be is because we quit as African Americans. We quit. So we think because we're not there, it's because nobody wants us there. And sometimes that's true. But many times we quit. Don't audition for something because uh, they don't want somebody who looks like me. Don't even try. Don't go. Uh, went to the job interviews, got a hard time. Woman, she got cussed out on the job. I mean, people said the violence things are, and she was a Christian. 
on top of everything else in, in that kind of environment. So we're talking about two-fold onslaught of assault every, every day, every day. And Dr. Price, you've got to earn your respect, and you're going to have to say. And she ultimately found out from the owner, she said, my heart is to have a lot of minorities here, but they don't finish the program. Now, the program in the back room was brutal. Now, it was hard enough just to get through it. But nobody becomes a master because somebody gave it to them. Nobody reaches master level because it was just given. The opportunity may have been offered, but you can't stay in that seat unless you earn the right to be there. Time and time and time and time and time again. Push back. How many times do we say, nobody's going to talk to me like that, boom, and you're out of the door? Because somebody ruffled your feathers offended you. I'm not going to be on some job where I have to fight every day. Okay. I guess you won't be on that job or that job or that job. I'm going to start my own thing. Okay. And then you're going to see the real fight when you are starting something in your own name and you're not <laughs> and you're not writing on the name of somebody else's organization. Years ago, we had somebody work for us way, 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 way a long time ago. And they were, uh, they had a part-time job. And they said, I don't know why this is so hard here. Because when I go here, it was in sales, you know, some kind of home decorated store kind of thing. And when I go there, it's just so easy for me to sell anything in that store. And I said, you understand, you are riding on that brand's name. They pay for marketing. They pay for advertising. And they've been literally a household name for decades which is why anybody can walk up to the street and sell something because you're actually not selling it. They are. You are the person who's getting it from the shelf to the counter, get the money and putting it in the bag. We are building a vision from the hole of the ground up, <laughs> okay, from the foundation deep in the ground all the way up. So don't get it in your mind that things are so much easier in corporate America because it's easier in corporate America. It's usually easier because somebody else is putting the bill Somebody else is doing all the work. Somebody else is buying your supplies. Somebody is paying. You have a whole HR department whose job is to buy people. Benefits, endowments, stocks, bonds, all kinds of resources. And it's not easy for them either because they're holding their breath every day that they don't go under. What are we seeing right now in our country? All this big business is suddenly disappearing. So it's a little man and a big man. It's the whole scheme has been quite effective. On many levels. So when you start small, you want to come to somebody's mom, let them know everything they're doing wrong. Especially when you come out of corporate America. Sound like when you're from the east or west coast, you move to the Midwest. Back to that. <laughs> everything just needs to be in no slow out here. You need to step it up. You need to pick it up. And those people look at you like, you understand where you are, right? <laughs> I said to somebody from New York when they were out here, uh, this was before question about how slow it is. I said, look, that would be like us going to New York telling them to just slow down. Just slow down. What's your rush? Just chill out. And they'll say, do you know where you are? Moving on and step right on you, not over you, on you, and keep it moving. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I guess that is kind of ridiculous. Absolutely. When prophecy is being fulfilled in you, it hurts because it is pushing out and expanding closing all of the things that are going to cause you to fail. But it is also strengthening
strengthening you. Strength training, bless the Lord, is painful. <laughs> Last night, we were getting a new sound system this weekend of church. We took down, well, I say we. I didn't take down the old blood God. But <laughs> thank you, okay? The brotherhood and the sisterhood, they, uh, the people took it down. And uh, one of our guys, love me, he said, man, he's carrying the speaker on his shoulder. And cause he's, you know, built like an ox. And, and so he said, yeah, today would have been our day. And he's like, ugh, man, I already worked these muscles out. Pain, it hurts. Working out after a workout. And that's like bringing in destiny is like a workout. You are working out every part of yourself. Your, your mental faculties are getting a workout. Your emotional self, your soul self, your body, your physical body, all of it is getting a workout. And you're like, what day is it, Jesus? Is it late day? I feel like we worked my legs yesterday, Lord. Oh, no, it's ego day. No, God, it's ego day. I'm sending everybody across your pathway to smack you upside your ego. Oh. <laughs> okay. See, there's real things in the house today laughing at that. <laughs> ego day. <laughs> and you know it's ego day because you're hot, you're mad, you're sad, you're crying. Every your feelings, or as we say now, you're all in your feelings and everything. Just everybody who comes your way is like. Psh. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dr. Price walks to the office, hugs six people in front of you, and then checks you. <laughs> and hugs the person after you. Like, what just happened? Is there something? Is there, that she was in love with everybody in the office with me. That's when you know God is like a person that thing, like a pop in his bed. Hey, I'm going after that. Everybody is prophecy time. Come on, in church. We probably signed. God laying hands over. Yes, yes. You get down there. Boom, boom. Domino, domino, domino. God says, don't play with me. It goes to that person. Boom, boom, boom. You're like, I can't even get a touch on Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? That's when you know you are really in the hot seat of destiny fulfillment. You, destiny fulfillment season. Correction. Every time you turn around. Somebody is correcting you. The little kid in the store is yelling at you. The green beans don't go there. They go there. Because God is trying to teach you about excellence. He's going to use a three-year-old crusty-faced kid to tell you that's not excellent. Four or seven-year-old Okay. Everywhere you turn, actually the cup goes like this. Does it matter? I mean, hell yeah. So look at those. Pain goes like this. Straighten it. Okay. Mm-hmm. You need to fold it like that. You need to do what? What? Why? Why? Why can't I just be left alone? Because you ask God to make you great. Mm-hmm. And then you say, yeah. But I don't think I asked for this, but this is the road to greatness. This is the road to excellence. This is the road to destiny fulfillment. And as it's being fulfilled, you know you're in that place when there's this much wiggle room and then there's this and this. And this. See, I used to get prophecies like this. The Lord was trying to tell me I was going to be an apostle without telling me I was going to be an apostle because he knew I'd be on the floor. So I started getting prophecies from the giant, the woman of God. And they started out like this. God says, you have no more wiggle room. Now, I didn't think I had wiggle room at all, ever in my life. From the mother I had to the mother in Zion that I had. That's not. I have wiggle room now. 
supposed to be sleeping in every day and being a kid. No, I have to be responsible because my mother's responsible. Oh, but look at my life now. Look at my life now. Just me breaking in even then. And hey, it was like, hey, this is what the family does. This is what we're doing. And, and so that destiny is moving in. God is breaking that thing through you and out of you. And it's ego day. And he's busting you down. Ego day is an ego season. Every time you turn around, somebody is on you about something. The feather blew to the left instead of the right. I'm not even controlling the weather. Well, but you should control that feather. <laughs> and if you have the chief apostle of all chief apostles, her phrase is, I don't know what to tell you. And I have adopted that phrase. I like it now. <laughs> I use it. I, I well, we, use it. we were using the mantle today. Yeah, she raised that word. <laughs> Doubling down on the mantle shift. <laughs> Give her more because she's pricing. You know, I'm very quiet today for a little bit. Yes. But you say you should be using your mantle instead of your truth. Uh oh. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. God, what he did in the fortune. Uh oh. Okay, my daughter has to get her place with her master. I told her she got all the power of God in you, which you need, and she said, You better go ask the man to make everything. Okay. And you need to be treated right because you're laughing. Okay. Oh, Lord. If you don't be treated right, he doesn't ask. He needs it on you. Be it unto you. I don't want to hear that.
The basis, you know, I'm, I see to it that you overcome. That's right. Every time you turn around, you out your seat, you drop out, you sit, you sit in, kids, dogs, family, birds, jobs, and all the reasons not to be in your place because to you, you're doing God a favor. I think it's a good idea that I show up and do my job. No, no. God needs you to understand that he's looking to make you stronger. Um, we want we want the finished work. Got to finish it to enjoy it. And so here we are saying, God, I just I don't feel I don't. I said to the Lord the other day, I said I said to her, I said I got to get my seat. That's what the Holy Ghost told me. He said because that's what my grace is. To in your seat, in your position, in your place. So, no, I can't just go over and say, well, I'm just going to hand it off. And when I hand it off, you better know it's spirit. And even then, I hand it off when God releases me to do something. Now, you've been with me for 20 years. I often have my hand it off. 20, maybe? And we are Why? Because God. So when you push through at your hardest times, you have pushed through your emptiness. Mm-hmm. What happens is that you get refilled. Mm-hmm. You got to push through to emptiness, and then the Lord refills. Because you have to prove that God's will are important to you, and not everybody can do it. It isn't for everybody. This is not a global mandate. Or anything, but there's a reason why Paul was walking around sick all the time. Still in his feet, spanked up, beat up, etc. That's not today. Today, if you feel bad, stay home. If your kids got a cold, stay home. If you feel like you're tired, stay home. But you know what? All of those are factors that will happen because Satan will always use what works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he knows if I hit the kid button, you're out. If I hit the home fire, but you're out. And he caught it. That's it. But that's not an option. The prophet is better, not stronghold. And we brought the stronghold to life on the planet. We brought it to life on the planet. Moses did it for Israel, and the 12 did it for us. So we have got to understand that we can't paint a picture of this being merely, 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 merely like this book a mm-hmm. We can't take that picture. We have a real enemy. Yeah. And we're in a real battle. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm telling you, God has some people on the battlefield that are fierce. We've not met fierce Christians. Mm-hmm. And when we do, we castigate them, slanderize them, and pretty much shun them. Mm-hmm. But they're the ones they are the strongholds that's keeping it together. And I've been doing this stronghold teaching on Sunday because people are too household-minded. <coughs> Did you hear what I just said? Mm-hmm. Household-minded. Your first decisions are about the household, not the stronghold. And that's God's problem. Because it's safe to keep you in the house. Mm-hmm. Keep you out the 
So we are at a place in God where God is like, well, y'all thought I was like you. Now we're taking over. And we're not asking your permission. You know, this whole permission will joke is just that. It's a joke. Permission will mean God just not teach nothing what you're doing. Isn't it a joke? Right. How you want to miss it? Come on, somebody. Somebody. And when I realized what it was and who we are in God, he's like, are you kidding? So this is what has more to do with you growing up and learning God's kingdom than it has to do with God just uh, conceding to your will. That's not permissive. That's right rebellion that God is postponing, postponing just Okay. And the judgment does come, doesn't it? Okay. Most of us know the judgment. When he didn't say no, he didn't say yes. He figured you ought to have sense enough. Nope. Yeah. Because if God didn't say no, then the yes. If God didn't say yes, then you wait until he says something. And you just wait until he says something not about your own haste and rashness to determine what he will say. They call him? Yes. Oh, yes. We have got to, we've got to be the apocalyptic elect. And we've got to think like strongholds, not just households. Well, God wants me to be happy. Are you kidding? God does not need you to do anything to give you this happiness. He's like, I am happy. Amen. I am. I get happiness all the time. He said, he, he gives joy. He put, he put, spread his joy in your heart. So you can't tell God, but I'm sad and lonely. God's like, I don't feel that bad. You sad and lonely because you want to do life another way. And I'm not going to tell you. And you want me to back you doing life another way. There it is. He's not going that. You know, our God is an awesome God. We do. Yeah. Y'all do love him, right? Yeah. Because we think that we think that Almighty God is gonna let a ton of souls go to hell because you're unhappy. Oh well. Like you might be you might have a morbid personality. Sometimes people do. People with morbid personalities are never happy. No matter what you do. They are not gonna be any more happy when they get their way. Right, right. You know, I thought it was gonna be no no. God says, I am the God of joy. Mm-hmm. Yes. He says, the garment of joy, the robe of righteousness, the dragon of You all think he accepts that because he doesn't intervene. He lets you go your way because you're in his way. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He leads you out of his way. So that's how he does it. He's okay, so you know. No matter what I say, you are committed to being depressed. You're committed to being unhappy. You're committed to being bad. So you go ahead on and think this other thing, whatever this, this solution is. You go on and think that that's going to fix it for you. Meanwhile, you just get out of my way. Just get, because you're in my way. You're depressing and messing up my environment. Messing up my atmosphere. See, your sadness is messing up my atmosphere. Because you're saying that I can't, I'm really not the guy of God of joy. It's time for us to grow up, people. It's time. So God will let you think you're doing permissive, but he's just really caught of evicting you. 
I'm sure I do. You asked him. He's actually answering your prayer. So God is prayer answering God. And you're telling him, I can only be happy under these conditions. God's like, you don't have a condition. He said, because um, I, have, I have my own process. And I need people with joy because the depressed people fell out. Because they've already sold out. Because they've already told themselves to be depressed. So I want you to know, changing your, and I was that person. I was before I got saved and in my earlier days of salvation. I was that one. I was just, you know, the devil knew he could just put me to sleep and wake me up, and I would be split. I would be moody, sad, frustrated, angry, etc. And so I mean, and finally, I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, God, why is this happening? I'm not. What is going on? He said, this is what you want to do. He said, because it takes you offline. And woo. It takes you offline. So you don't have to do what you feel is robbing you. So why would I want to, if I don't want to stand having done all the stand, then I'm depressed. If I don't want to, go ahead, girl. So, but having done all the same, same is there for. And so, I don't want to. You don't want to be strong. You haven't wanted to be strong since you were a kid. You just always wanted to have your way. And you have to go in and you have to clip those roots. Because having your way is anything. And you start coming to God and having your way anytime you want it, and then it will put you on easy street. And then you kind of find out God got you somewhere between the jungle and the hood. Oh, that you put in the hood. Oh, my. Like, seriously? You know? But Jesus, your junk is easy. Yeah, it's easier than Satan. Oh, amen. But I didn't tell you, Father, you're in trouble for me. I said, in the world, you won't have to relate to you, right? He said, he said, but what? Be a good But you don't know how much God is going to come as long as you live in depression. You have to come out of your depression and think, man, this man, let me pull this thing off. He really, yeah. wow, he really did this. Let 
Do you understand what I just told you? So now we have strong family structures. Inspect, explore, and examine. Okay, so now that you feel this way, what do you want me to do with this information? How do you want us to support you as the church, as the kingdom, as the entity, which we are? You have to start probing because it could be if caught early, people can see things differently. It could be. That doesn't always happen. But you have got to explore it because your job is to guard the stronghold. I always like to use the um, example of the human resource um, matters. Don't you love human resource people? <laughs> they are the most congenial and supportive socially. Well, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah, no, I can see why you said Curious. You want to question. I'm curious. 
I'm just very curious. I'm just trying to know how you and if you and can you and all. I just want to know. Ask questions and don't just agree. See, we have been taught to agree with anybody with a complaint against the church, any leadership, anybody. We have been taught to, to agree with them and condemn the organization because the wave of the future is to tear down all institutions. So you have to start asking, in other words, be suspicious. First of all, why are you telling me? Second, how many people have you told? Because you might want to know. Because this is something that you have run through the church. We have found out recently you all brand new people don't know. I don't even I can't even wrap my head around that. Y'all didn't even live in Tulsa. I was like, but they don't, but this, how do they, okay, why? But you would not give it leeway or instruction. So I'm giving you counsel. Ask the right question. And don't be so quick to agree because it's important. It's very important. That you don't. Because if you, if you don't ask the right questions, you are going to. Mm-hmm. And you know, the Bible says the first man came twice, but the second man saw the So as long as you don't let anybody else tell their side, they have already chosen to believe the dissenter mm-hmm. or the first person. You hmm. know that that's what you chose to do. Because that's what it means. Let's look at this one. Connect. Draw dots. Connect. Connect to other things. Start putting together your own wisdom profile. Begin to say, you know, but then you're not there. Because once something is opened up, life um, and communication open up in those. They tend to open up the nose. So you'll open up the central thing and it will start opening other things to throw awakened things in your memory. Mm-hmm. And you'll start saying, Wow, well, now that you mention it, but that does remind you of, yeah, right, uh huh, And you can begin to, but then what happens? Home, household begins to chide you, begins to refute you. I can't say that. And so you you forget that you're, you were going after what's good for the institution that is going to have people come and go all the time. You know, you realize the people who found the Methodist Church alone gone. The founders of these denominations long gone. Do we know where the first folk went? We don't even know. No, we don't know. We <laughs> do know that he left the institution. So why am I saying this? You have got to understand that we have a, what I call, perpetuity duty. A duty to see to it that this outlasts us. That the generations that come are protected. Uh, Secure the future. This is our job. That's why we still have Methodist Church. Because they raised up generation after generation. We still have denominations 
they, you know, won't try to kill them. They, they might they feel strongholds. They're not going anywhere. They're going to keep putting the best people in position and removing the troubled ones. They're going to remove troubled ones. I'm telling you, they don't tolerate that kind of phrase. And so, and usually they, they you know, get several decades to show off. They kind of move you in the beginning because they suffered loss. They know what loss looks like. They know what lead out looks like. That's our job. Our job is to see to it that the congregation of the mighty, where God's faith is around for centuries. And there are going to be some hard decisions. I watched um, on Netflix, there's a movie, uh, a documentary on how the Royals stay on top. It is. But then think about how the Jews stay on top. How does he stay on top? Because he doesn't let anything drag him down. He's never distracted. He has a duty. His job is to, at the end of all things, present the kingdom to his father. That is his ultimate mega plan. We're not accustomed to thinking like that. We're accustomed to our ministry and our comfort and our rights and our benefits and, and how we see. We're comfortable with that because in our lives, we're too feeble to be a bitty real use to God. Because <laughs> that's what we've been taught, isn't it? Yeah. We've been taught be a good thing, say your time, come to church, learn your Bible, do some good deeds. That keeps you out of all the problems. It keeps you with all your so because you're occupied and there's no something, something you can do. Otherwise, live your life as, as you wish. But that's not how strongholds think. Strongholds think very, very differently. And we're going to talk about that when we get together on Sunday. He said, Observe results and outcomes. This here on social is going to be a case study. We have to do that because you don't know what the outcomes of what are. And so we often just leave effect. But we can definitely what produce the result, what produce an outcome. We're going to do this because we're stronger. Because we have got to take care of this thing. But not just the Lord Jesus Christ, but our future generation. I mean, think about it. what Christianity will your son. Because right now, what we have is not worth passing on. So we have to raise them up to be strongholds. How? And we have to be raised them up to do so in a way that doesn't antagonize the world. The world wars. Um, oh, uh, those wars. <laughs> and our kids. What Jesus will they say? Yeah. Are we going to have the Jesus that says, how, how small we are? Mm-hmm. Are we going to have the Jesus that said, upon this rock? I will build my church. 
and the gifts of some will not prevail against it. You know, the unexpected change don't even know what the gifts of hell are. This sounds very much the bar. It's a nice bar. Okay, but it got some flames around. There's some bars, flames around. You know, maybe things smell like sulfur, but you don't realize that the gates of hell began to rust. You know, every crisis we've had, it has been the crisis gate. Water gate. Yeah. So, so, gate. See, so, we have to be careful to observe and study results and outcomes. And then, how about check, check, and recheck? Your first impression was just a sweep, a scan. You might want to go back and dig into it a little bit to see exactly what it is that you are judging, discerning. That would be a good thing. And then the last one. Next step. Most times when we take blows, we just lay out. Because we try, we try to come back. We try our best. You know, we, we try to fill them on the Lord and whatever. And, and, but I just want you to know that you should always have the next step. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the timing of this may have been uh, unexpected. But the truth is it was anticipated because when you know people's nature and personality, you've done this thing that's wrong, you hear the sound in their voice. Right. You hear people who hope they are genuine, who hope they can be sincere. They really hope, they really mean this time to be faithful. You hear that in their voice. Did you hear them trying to convince themselves? That they are, you know, they're all up. That they are this time they shall be for real. They're not going to fall out. They're not going to tear up anything. They're not going to leave in a hug. They're not going to. You have to understand that when you heard it over and over again, 35 years of watching people tell you where to go and how to get there, you pretty much can tell. Uh, well, that's good. Uh, so, you know, he's pretty obvious. And anytime you get people who go from um, the North here and you're the one and blah, 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 to uh, not any longer, you have to recognize that it's a great countdown. And you should go to that countdown. You really should when you have to count down from, woo, this is bad, to I'm out. Isn't it true? You have to know. You have to know. And if you pay attention, you will. And when it starts falling apart, what do you get from God? Pictures. Reminders. Recollections. Recall. Letting you know. And he doesn't do that just to say, oh, okay, so this is how it happened. He does it to register in your phone. All of the elements that pertain to this. So that when signs of it show up again, you can yourself say, oh, yeah, this is going to sound pretty good. 
And if you're in a position to act on it all the best, sometimes you have to wait it out. Sometimes God wants something to play out to you. To the, he wants it so that it's a matter of record. Is this for you all? Does it help you? We have a couple of minutes. Are any questions in the room or comments? Curiosity. I know that's really over there. I have a question for my sweet, but I think I have a question from last week, but I think it might tie in here. How do you know the difference between the Judas, the malcontent you talked about last week, and the Peter, the maverick in your midst? The maverick is redeemable. The maverick can't under the right circumstances repent. They don't always reform, but they do repent. You know, Peter never did totally reform. He just he just believed in himself, whatever. But the Judas never sees anything positive about what you're doing. Always criticism, always unhappy, always looking somewhere else for gratification. And that's important to me. So when you look at it, when you hear somebody that can never say anything good, ever, that's weak. Because see, Maverick, Peter appreciates you. He really did. He wanted to help you. He just needed Jesus to just tweak his agenda a little bit. If Jesus would just tweak that agenda, he'd be all right. So when you listen to people talk, the Maverick is always waiting for me to hear God the way he is. The Maverick always wants me to do it the way God showed you. The Maverick always wants to take me aside and tell me how if I did this, this, and this. And the last thing the Maverick will do is always let you know what others think about it. You don't, everybody's opinion matters and everybody's voice in it more than yours. But Jesus Judas will always, always publicly say the most powerful things that will always let you know that what you think or what you're doing is useless, is errant. And Judas is always about money. Everything is about money. The whole yoke in a Judas is money. That's how you know. He didn't have a problem money, he had a problem with Jesus not tearing down Rome. He did. He, his issue was could we just deal with Rome? Get Rome off our back? And he thought Jesus was coming to do what Moses did. Pull God's people out. And that would have done nothing. So, uh, I don't know, does that help Always a Judas, always a Peter. And you know what? You learn some of your best lessons from the Judases and the Peter. My God. Do I have time for one more? I do. One more. 
That's okay. We're still working with technology. Let's start out by telling everyone who you are. Really, 